0: Are you sick of diets, but you want to feel really freaking comfortable in your body? Great, then you've come to the right place. Join me, Melissa Ronda, fearless and forthright weight loss expert who helps busy women ditch diets, stop eating their feelings, and take their power back for good. Well, hello, my honest friends. Welcome to Honestly, Melissa. This is episode 12 of the podcast, and I have a fantastic guest for you today. When we crave something sweet, that feeling can it can feel so much like we need to have the cookie, the Hershey kiss, whatever it is. That desire is almost so strong that it feels like our body has been taken over by an outside force it's kind of like the walking dead instead of craving brains we are craving chocolate cupcakes filled with ganache and we are not in control of our bodies there are so many reasons that this is the case but the good news is that once you can identify your reason you can call it out on its bullshit, and that is going to empower you so yes there are chemical dependencies upon all sorts of substances i was addicted to norco prescription drug yes that was a physical addiction but when you really whittle it away real question is Why? Why did I start in the first place? Why did I go down that road? So that's truly the root cause. And so what Ann Louise, who is our guest expert today, she is a professional hypnotherapist. She is going to talk to us about the root reason. So why are the reasons that we get addicted to sugar and what we can do about it? So thank you so much for joining me today. And again, I want to thank you all so much for subscribing to this podcast and rating and review it. It has been such a great experience so far. I'm so happy that you are enjoying the content. If you haven't rated or reviewed yet, please go ahead and do that for me. The more that you love the show, the better guest experts I'm going to be able to get here for you. And I want to be able to continue to bring you valuable content like this. So please go ahead and do that. And without further ado, let me uh, bring you this fantastic guest, Beth Ann Louise.
1: Yeah, definitely. So what normally happens is that we make a decision and it might be you know new year or a birthday or just because we've had a health scare or just because it's a monday you know when we make a decision that we're going to eat healthy and we're going to give up sugar and we all know that these days you know sugar's kind of recognized as something that is you know the devil it used to be um fat didn't it (laughs) (laughs) and now it's kind of protein and so it's really well recognized that the processed sugar not the you're not the natural sugars in fruits and things like that but the processed. that gets added to to junk food is really it's highly refined you know it's made in a factory it's not something that's kind of grown on a a plant and so we make we know that it's in our best interest to cut this out and so we make that decision that we're not going to have it anymore and what then happens is for some reason we find ourselves Perhaps at four o'clock in the afternoon, maybe at the chocolate machine in the office or, um, you know, seeking out something in the evening, like some ice cream or whatever it is. And we find ourselves sabotaging ourselves. You know, we've made this decision that we're going to be healthy and quit sugar um, or at least, you know, cut back on it. And for some reason we find ourselves eating it. And so. The reason for that is because we've effectively we've got two parts to our mind. You know, we've got the conscious mind, our analytical mind, that we've made the decision in, that we've understood the health benefits of, of giving it up, and um, or not necessarily giving it up, but you know, having it in moderation. And um, we've then got this emotional mind, our subconscious mind, that might have other ideas. And so what we can do is we can use uh, tools like hypnotherapy to find out what's going on and to find out what's going on in this other part of the mind that's causing us to sabotage our good intentions.
0: That is really fascinating. So um, sweets are a big challenge this time of year for a lot of people. and. And I know that, you know, eating the right kinds of food throughout the day certainly helps combat sweets because we're not craving that quick energy source. But yeah. um, what, what are some other ways that we can, um, you know, really identify that like this is a craving, this is that one side of our brain. And because for many of us, it feels very much like we have to do the thing. Like, I want something sweet, and so, like, it won't stop until I have the thing. Mm -hmm. So can you give us some tools in that area?
1: Yeah, totally. And so what I tend to find with clients is that there are three reasons, you know, in their emotional mind why they want to have that sugar why there's this kind of overwhelming urge to have it even though they've decided that they're not going to and those um think three things that tend to come up with clients give us clues as to things practical steps that we can do for ourselves to support us in following through with our good intentions so um the first uh, reason why i tend to find that people struggle with sugar and we're talking about emotional and psychological reasons here as opposed to uh, physical ones because i'm not a nutritionist or you know health coach or anything like that and the first is because generally as young children they've associated sugar with love in some capacity and so it might be that for example we used to get ice creams when we were on holiday and those were really happy memories when we were all together as a family or, you know, we might've had really busy parents and they, we used to get a really special cake on our birthdays and and that was a really happy memory. And so what happens is, you know, none of us are born uh, craving sugar or anything like that. You know, we are all born taking what we need Um, either from the bottle or the breast, and then we stop as soon as we're full, because we know that there's always going to be more coming. And so we know that the associations that we've got from an emotional and psychological perspective are all something that we've acquired since birth. And so it's about finding out what those associations are. So the first... Uh, thing that tends to come up is that people will associate sugar with love and belonging and uh, connection with other people in some capacity. And so in terms of practical things that we can do to help us uh, in, you know, dealing with our sugar cravings, we can ask ourselves what our unmet needs are. And very often there's something else going on beneath the surface. And with regards to this one, Often it's perhaps that we're lonely, um, or even that we're stressed, and so we're trying to use the sugar to take us from an emotion that we're finding uncomfortable into a place where we be, where we feel supported and loved, because that's the subconscious connection that we've got between sugar and uh, the, you know the needs that were met for us as a child. So that's the first reason I tend to find that people you know really crave sugar is because it, there's a connection there between love and belonging. Um, uh, Stephanie
0: says that she likes to have decaf mochas from Starbucks and and (laughs) I'm assuming that's in the afternoon because I know Stephanie drinks caffeine in the morning Um, so (laughs) so maybe that's associated with a little bit of a a psychological treat as well right because like you mentioned it's four o'clock in the afternoon and we're feeling really tired so we're looking for that pick-me-up or anxious feeling. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's, those are other emotions. I mean, the types of emotions that we seek to use sugar to avoid tend to be anxiety, stress, boredom, loneliness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All (laughs) the aches. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and I mean, you know, it works in, in many respects, because it does change the, you know, the, the biochemical makeup in our bodies, you know, it gives us a dopamine hit. Um, and, and that is calming for us. And so what we've done is we found something that works. And then once we find something that works, we want to repeat it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it helps, you know, and it's taking us away from that that anxious emotion. Um, so yeah, so definitely, I mean, and that's what the, the key is to find which emotions we're trying to move away from. And once we can find where those emotions are stemming from, so what's causing the anxiety or the boredom or the loneliness, then that's really the key um, to finding the true unmet need. And once you meet your true needs, then you're no longer trying to meet those needs with a substance that, that can't ever meet them you know, like sugar. But the thing is, is that the body can't tell the difference. And so as far as the body's concerned, it, it is meeting a, a need. <laughs> it's yeah, just like that there's side <laughs> effects to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, so there's two other categories that clients tend to fall in as to, you know, the, the connection that they've developed with sugar. And the, the second category is that they've linked sugar with reward in some way. And so when they mm-hmm. were being brought up, you know a good behavior would might have been rewarded um like on a long journey for example as kids if we were really bored and we were behaving well you know we would have been given sweets potentially you know to keep us going um and what ends up happening is that perhaps we finished all our food at the dinner table and then we're rewarded with pudding and so (laughs) you know it's a double whammy where we want to eat all our food and then and then we get something sweet and so what ends up happening is that if we feel like we want a treat we want to pick me up you know we want to feel worthy we want to celebrate something then what ends up happening is that we don't feel like we have uh, properly celebrated unless we've had a pudding or a sweet treat or a glass of wine or you know anything that kind of gives us that that sugary hit and so we end up associating sugar with reward and we want to reward ourselves in, in certain ways and so yeah so that's the, that's the second reason and the third reason tends to be um uh, that sugar is not available to us as kids perhaps because for some of us. It's really uh, restricted by our parents and um, You know they're trying to look after us and get us to eat healthy and everything else But when we think that something's not available to us uh, We believe that we're not allowed it it becomes a scarce resource and so this um, We'll lead into another tip that people can take away, which is that if we believe something is scarce, then automatically what our mind will do is it will seek to hoard. And so if we're telling ourselves that we're not allowed to have sugar and that we can't have it, then what happens is our brain just ups the desire <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it all of a sudden it's a scarce resource. And so what we want to do is we want to say to our brain that, you know, sugar is all around us as it is, you know, it's it's in all kind of processed packaged food. It's got no shelf life. It's absolutely in abundant supply in the Western world. It's one of the most you know foods that you can get the easiest anywhere really. And um, we want to say to ourselves that we're choosing not to have it, as opposed to we're not allowed it. And so what we're doing is we're putting ourselves back in a position of of power there instead of having external r- rules imposed on us. So you mean to
0: say, this is crazy that you're going to say that restrictive diets are really harmful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because it (laughs) takes away your power of choice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is all into the sugar because we felt like we couldn't have it
1: yeah we just binge because we we we've had these external rules imposed upon us and our mind is going into this scarcity mindset where it's thinking that it's not available and we're not allowed it and so it wants to hoard and so what happens is as soon as we allow the floodgates to open we're like you know in overdrive then now and we want extra <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I, I yeah. can't help but
0: thinking when you were talking about number two and number three I'm like as a parent you're like damned if you do you're damned if you don't like finding that yeah. perfect balance is must be really difficult and I'm hoping that I haven't screwed my children up yet
1: <laughs> well do you know what I, I think I've already screwed mine up before I learned about this <laughs> and um You know, we don't know as parents, do we? And the thing is, it's very difficult because kids automatically, they want those sugary things. Mm -hmm. Um, They see their friends having them. At birthdays, we want to do them a nice cake because we want them to know that they're special and that, you know, there's all sorts of things that we do. And what I have learned is that, the best way to approach it I think with my children and I won't know until they're older whether or not this has worked but since I learned all this stuff because mine are older kids so mine are 12 and 14 and I only learned to do this stuff about oh they look fantastic about three or four years ago it was about three years ago that I finished my training and so you know I changed things that I did as a parent as I as I learned things and um the thing that I do now is not make it special, you know, not make it a reward mm-hmm. um, and also not strictly restrict it either. And so what I'm seeking to do is have a balance where sometimes they come home from school and it's fruit, you know, sometimes it's um you know, chopped vegetables, sometimes it's toast, and then sometimes it's something sweet, you know, a piece of cake or some biscuits or something, and so what what I'm not trying to do is build patterns of association where every time they get back from school at four o'clock, they're having those cookies and those sweet treats, which means then every time at four o'clock, your body's going, oh, that's the association, it's four o'clock, now it's time to have something sweet. Um, but at the same time, not telling them that they can never have anything either. Uh, what I have stopped doing is I used to do, uh, puddings all the time. You know, I used to (laughs) reward them for finishing their food with a pudding when Uh they were younger.
0: Um, (laughs) And now I know know, I'm not to do that. (laughs) I have, I have good eaters. Um, they, I've, they've always been that way. They've always eaten real food, but I know, Mm. um, you know, several of my friends that their children are so thin that they would just, they would do that because they just would fear that their child wasn't getting enough nourishment. And so they would encourage, encourage that way. So, I mean, I can certainly relate because that's all we're trying to do is, is to get them to eat. So, but then wildly the other way. And, um, Coincidentally, my father owned candy stores as a little girl. So I'm sure, Beth, that didn't help nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the the number one thing, though, I think with kids, and and it it is the same with food as well as with with sugar, is um, very often that the most common unmet need that we're seeking to fulfill is something to do with love and belonging normally. And so there's this kind of emptiness inside of us that we're seeking to, to fill up. And so, so long as our kids know that they're loved unconditionally and they have developed a strong sense of um, you know self-esteem and self-belief and a certain resilience against rejection, then actually i think that's the most important thing we can do with regards to our kids i mean obviously there's the educating them about what the healthy diet is and things like that but from an emotional perspective Um, Most of the time we end up being so fragile inside because we've had these experiences of people hurting us or rejecting us or, you know, in some cases, unfortunately, obviously abused. And um, what ends up happening is we're frightened to meet our true unmet needs for love and belonging in the way in which it needs to be met with connection to other people. And we substitute instead instead with, you know, food and, and sugary treats
0: so, so from, for our children
1: to know they're loved is the most important
0: thing well mine do i, I can't say it enough <laughs> but i yeah totally but so i would love to hear your opinion on this because i think that sometimes it can be confusing um and correct me if i'm wrong please feel free but for from what i understand for some people an uh, anxiety in the afternoon and that feeling of stress is really just that top onion layer underneath that the stress is really that am i good enough is this enough i'm not doing enough so it can come out like no i just have a lot to do there's a lot to be done and i need to do these things but underneath that the real driving force is that you're trying to just be accepted is that true
1: absolutely I really honestly believe that the root of everything, nearly every single issue that we see with anyone is um, issues with self-worth and feeling that we're not good enough. And so what we do is we overcompensate with all sorts of other things. And we have, you know, loose boundaries. We don't say no. We're people pleasing. We're overextending ourselves. We're exhausted. We're overworking. I mean, yeah, me. (laughs) This is something so that I have struggled with.
0: <laughs> I know Absolutely.
1: Stephanie.
0: Stephanie is going, yes, 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 as well. <laughs> I yeah. think that's where she says, this is so good. This is so, so true. So mm. um, so all of this is such fantastic information, but how um, first getting really curious about the way that we're feeling, Um, but what then can we do with that information when we realize, oh, wait a minute, this is actually something else. I'm not really needing this cookie. Where do we go from there?
1: So the first thing that I would recommend people do is to name the emotion. Um, and Which sounds very simple but the reason for naming the emotion is that what we're doing then is we're moving the processing of the information into our prefrontal cortex instead of in our limbic system and um, what that means is that we can be more analytical and logical about it. So the first thing is simply to name the emotion and then it's to ask the question which is, you know, what's driving that emotion? What is the unmet need that sits underneath that and then the next thing would be to to take some kind of action. So uh, we need to believe that we, ha- you know, we're empowered to influence our own life. And what happens is is that when we don't take real action in the direction of where we want to move in, we end up getting you know frustrated. We're reinforcing those feelings of not being good enough, of our, our low self worth. And so um, it's about then taking action to meet that true unmet need. Um, but of course, the, the difficulty is, is if it was that easy, <laughs> then we would just go, oh, hang on a minute, I'm lonely, you know, or, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm <laughs> worried or, 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 you know, I've got too much on my plate, I'll just fix it. And it isn't that straightforward. But what it is, is it's having someone then to go deep with you and to find out what the underlying fears are what the blocks are, the reasons why we're not meeting our own needs in healthy ways. Um, But the more language that we can put onto the feelings that we're experiencing, the more control that we have over our actions, because as I say, we're using different parts of our brains then to process it. And so instead of just our emotional mind kicking in and sending a flood of hormones into our body that just makes that cream cake or, um, you know, that mocha from, from Starbucks, whatever it is completely irresistible. Um, if we can use language, then we can more logically process it rather than emotionally process it. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, actually what I like to do, um, hopefully that you think this is a good idea because this is what I do. I'm sure it um, is. And what, I, <laughs> what I tell my clients is, um, I actually name it, but as it's like, almost like I have multiple personalities, like, oh, mm-hmm. that's, that's just the diva in me. Like, if I'm like, oh, I'm tired, I don't want to do this. I'm just like, that's diva Melissa, like real Melissa wants to do this, <laughs> you know, or like that's that's emo Melissa, like if I want to emotionally eat, I'm like, no, that's just like, that's emo Melissa. And that that's my way of kind of saying, this isn't a real thing. This is, it feels real, but it's not.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the other thing that's really important is to remember that the mind can't think not. And so, you know, if I asked you not to think about a pink elephant, you know, sitting in a a blue field, um, the first thing that happens is your mind pictures a pink elephant in a blue field that then it can cancel out and so if you say to yourself I'm not going to go to the chocolate machine or I'm not going to have that coke or I'm you know not going to eat that cake the first thing that your brain does is it creates a picture of what it is that you're trying to avoid in your brain and because your body responds to the words and the pictures in your mind it ups the desire and it starts to prepare itself to enjoy that lovely treat that you've just pictured in your mind (laughs) That and so what we is. want to do is crowd it out with something else you know we say to ourselves all the time what we're not going to do and that doesn't work so what we want to do is is to crowd it out by thinking about something completely different um which i know is kind of like counterintuitive because we're stuck in that thing of oh i really want it but oh i better not um but um, the more that we can fill our brain with something else, so I mean, it could be anything either, a, you know, an affirmation that comes easily to mind, or um, just some, it's a distraction technique, really, um, that means that we can then start to think about something else because we cannot fight with our brain in that way by trying to avoid what we're not going to have.
0: (laughs) And again, a lot of synergy because I, you know, I truly believe that implementing fitness is so helpful with any sort of emotional eating, because that then becomes the thing that you think of instead of thinking about eating the food. Um, So that kind of keeps you busy. And also that's thinking about something really cool that you're doing, not the thing you can't have is uh, Mm. the the mind can't think the mind can't think not that's the most quotable thing ever and it's it's really something (laughs) (laughs) i mean
1: any example you tell someone not to think of something and honestly they'll see the picture in their head totally they will so you you know you, any food that you say you're not going to have, the first thing that happens is that you want it. And um, the other thing that you can do is you can the thing you can do with people is you can get them to imagine something like a lemon. And if you if you say to them, you know, close your eyes, imagine you're holding a lemon, a firm, you know, yellow waxy lemon, and you can smell that lemon, and you can chop that lemon in half, and you can see that juice, you know, spreading out onto the chopping board as you chop it, and then chop it again, and then You know, so I want you to imagine you putting that quarter lemon into your mouth and biting down on it and the juice running out into your mouth. And and what starts to happen as you create that visualization for people is that their saliva glands start to run. And what's happening is, is that their body is preparing themselves for the lemon. And there is no lemon, you know, it's just words that we're using to describe a picture in the mind. And what it shows is that the body responds directly to the instructions that the mind is given, whether or not they're real or imagined. And so if we're imagining that chocolate bar that we're not going to have because we're not having it, (laughs) it then creates a picture in the mind. And then the more we think about that chocolate bar, the more our body starts to prepare for the chocolate bar's arrival, whatever, whatever it is that we you know, happen to be trying to resist. And so because the body responds to the mind in that way, it gets to the point where we're not just fighting our mind, we're also fighting our body because our body is then geared up to receive this lovely thing. Um, so that's just a nice little trick as well you can do with people.
0: That is fascinating. And I'm not kidding you. My mouth did start to water. It I does. I, just, I, I
1: I'm wondering. I can feel it I, when I'm describing it. I'm the one. I know what I'm about to do, and I'm using the words, and I can feel my mouth filling up. And you know, because it's a really great example of how uh, the body does directly respond to the commands that the mind gives it.
0: Oh yeah, that's fascinating. And it's also the reason why I don't like gum, because it makes you pre- be prepared to eat something, because your jaw yeah. flapping, and, um, and it really actually just makes you even more hungry. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It gets your body ready to receive food, Yeah, and then, and then it's like, where is it? And so it creates this hunger response.
0: Yeah, this is so, so fascinating. I know that everyone that is watching and listening and catching this on the replay is going to want to learn more about you. So can you tell them where they can find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I have a website um, and my website is louise.com. Um and I might we might try and put that in the comments yeah we have Beth and Louise I don't think it's a common uh American name (laughs) it's a Welsh name (laughs) and um I got on there at the moment I've got a free hypnotherapy meditation that I'm giving away that is all to do with self-belief and feeling good enough Um, Because as we mentioned earlier, that tends to be at the root of most of the issues that we're dealing with. Um, So give that away. And then I've also got a Facebook group, which is where I tend to hang out on Facebook. Um, There's not that many of us in there. I only started it a few months ago, um, but that's called happiness.
0: That's my favorite. So anyone be
1: very welcome to join.
0: So um, I will put um, in the show notes as well. I'll put all the links to your community as well as your website and um, your free uh, session that you have for the the audio session. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, I appreciate you so much. This has been so fascinating. And hopefully, I'm going to ask you while we're live so you can't say no, hopefully you will come back because I'd love to, d- to dig into some more stuff with you in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would be great. Right. Maybe we could do a little bit of group hypnotherapy with some of your people oh, or something
0: like that. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much, Ben.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Melissa. I've really enjoyed uh, right. getting to know you.
0: You too. Bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this guest expert as much as I did. If you did, please hop over to my business page, The Honest Way, that's W-E-I-G-H on Facebook. I do have a link in the show notes for you to that page because all month long, I am bringing you guest experts in on a variety of topics around the holidays. You know, it's so taboo to talk about the things that suck about the holiday season. but there are so many of us that suffer in different aspects. so whether it is going through a divorce, Perhaps you have binge issues, perhaps you have alcoholism in your family, maybe you deal with toxic relatives, whatever the case is, I am bringing in guest experts all month long to give you the support that you need. So make sure you head over to the Honest Way brand page on Facebook so you can catch the rest of these lives. And thanks again for listening, and I will see you all later.